Holy Spirit, move in this room. We yield unto you. We don't yield to man. We yield unto you. Let our worship be unto you tonight, God. Let our words and our thoughts be unto you tonight, Lord. We say, let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. Take joy, my King. In what you hear, let it be a sweet, sweet sound. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound. In your ear. Jesus, allow our thoughts to be a sweet sound in your ear tonight. Allow your words to be spoken tonight. And allow your spirit to move in this room. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Welcome to the first midweek of the year. Y'all excited to be here tonight? I need to hear you. I need to hear your voice. I need to hear your amens. We're excited to be in this room. We're excited to praise God in 2024, the first Wednesday. Let's set the bar tonight. Can we set the bar tonight? When I saw I was preaching, I said, yeah, let's set the bar. Let's make our midweek service so great that if people don't get here on a Wednesday night, they're going to miss the best service. Let's make our Wednesdays so good, right? And we don't have to scream it out and be like, oh, the Wednesdays are the best. No, no, no. The people, this is like for the locals. You know what I mean? This is for the if you know, you know type people. This is for the real people. (laughs) But I said, let's make our Wednesday night services so good because I know the Lord loves to see us sacrifice. I know the Lord loves to see us look at this night, this cold, rainy night, this night where we could be kicked up with our feet on the couch, laid down, wrapped up in a cozy blanket and watching something good on TV. And he sees you say, you know what? No, I'm going to maintain the integrity of who I am in the Lord. I'm going to maintain the integrity of who God has called me to be. I'm going to get my butt up and I'm going to get to church. You know how awesome he see how excited he gets when he sees you do that? He thinks you're awesome when you do that. He said, man, look at my kid. They got up. They maintained the integrity of who I called them to be. I know they just went through two big holidays. I know they're tired. I know they ain't got no money in their bank account. They were rushing around buying Christmas presents. And look, they're there on Wednesday night. So God bless you for being here. God bless you for being here. And tonight we're going to talk about integrity. I preached a message here a few Sundays ago about being grown and spiritually mature. And this is a message that kind of goes hand in hand with that. The idea of integrity, the idea of maintaining the calling that God has placed upon your life, no matter what the circumstance, no matter where you are, no matter who's watching, no matter what the circumstance, you are maintaining the integrity that God has placed upon your life. And I got this word from 1 Samuel. 
First Samuel is where we're going to hang out tonight, and I encourage every single person to read your word every single day, but go back and read First Samuel, because when you read First Samuel, you get to see these amazing, just descriptive, graphic depictions of this story, one of the greatest stories in the Bible, between David and King Saul and Samuel, and you just get to see scandal and war and, and fleeing and all this amazing stuff. It's like a movie. It's, it literally is like a movie. If they were going to make a movie out of the Bible, I think First Samuel would be an awesome pick. You could do like three really good movies from it. But I love First Samuel because we get to see Israel enter into this state of wanting a king. They didn't have a king, and at the time, I would venture to say they didn't even need one because they had Samuel as a prophet, and they heard the voice of the Lord as his mouthpiece, and they understood what the Lord wanted at the time. But because they saw the rest of the world and the rest of culture and the rest of society being ruled by kings, they begged Samuel and they begged God to give them a king. They wanted to look like the rest of the world. They wanted to be like the rest of the world. They wanted to be ruled over by a person, which is just so backwards from the start. We had access to God. They were God's chosen people. They were led by him. They had somebody who was a mouthpiece for God leading them, and it wasn't enough. They wanted something they could see. They wanted something that they could see. They wanted something that was tangible, that met the expectations of the world's culture. So they asked for a king, and they chose a king based on the things of this world, his appearance, how smart he was, how strong he was. They said, yeah, that's our king, King Saul. And Saul was a good king for a little while. Saul was a good king for a little while. He was really good for a minute. He did his thing. He led some battles. He won. He was, he was feeling himself, you know. He was anointed by the Lord. Samuel anointed him, and so he's like, man, I'm that guy. And he did all right for a second. But after a while, he got a little full of himself. He got a little full of himself. And he started to take things into his own hands. He started to make his own rule book. And I can't tell you to raise your hand because I think some people wouldn't be so brave. But how many in here have ever found yourself making your own rule book? Right? <laughs> We all, right? Thank you. Amen. <laughs> Whoever didn't raise their hand now, okay. <laughs> you know you made your own rule book a time or two. But we found King Saul starting to make his own rule book, and he started to go against what the Lord said to him. He said that he won a battle where the Lord spoke through Samuel, and he said, Saul, go win this battle. Kill everybody. Destroy everything. Don't take anything when you win. And we see Saul go into battle, and we see him destroy his enemy. They kill all the people. They destroy the city, but they take some stuff. They take some stuff. And this is where we get to see Saul begin to be disobedient unto the Lord. And Samuel comes to him, and he, you know, if you're a parent, you know how this goes. You come and ask your kid what happened, even though you already know. <laughs> Samuel came to Saul, and he said, hey, What's going on? Why have you disobeyed the Lord? And Saul said, I, I didn't disobey God. I didn't disobey him. I didn't do anything wrong. I, I promise you, I did exactly as he said. I went in. I destroyed the city. I killed everybody. I destroyed the walls. And then Samuel said, okay, but what, what's, what's that cattle that I hear? 
Where's the cattle that I hear in the back over there? Where did all that cattle come from? Where did those treasures come from that I see? And Saul began to backpedal. He said, well, I took those things so I could sacrifice them unto the Lord. I took those things. I changed the rule book because we're going to take them to the temple and sacrifice them to God. And Samuel said, ah, 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 no, that wasn't what you were told to do. That wasn't what you were told to do. You didn't maintain the integrity of who you were called to be. You didn't maintain the integrity of the anointing that was placed upon you. You disobeyed a blatant order from God. He said, don't take anything. He didn't say take cattle and offer it. No, he didn't ask for it. And so Saul began to lose his way. He began to become disobedient more and more. And Samuel rebuked him. Says he lost the anointing. He lost the anointing of heaven. And it says that there was a spirit. When the spirit of God lifted off of him, there was a spirit of torment that rested upon him. He lost the anointing and he began to be tormented. And at that time, the Lord spoke to Samuel and he said, you need to go anoint a new king. But this time it's going to be the guy I pick. This time it's going to be the guy I choose. It's not going to be because he's the tallest and the strongest and the most handsome. No, no, no. He's going to be a man after my heart. The Lord said, I'm going to pick a king. I'm going to anoint a king based on his desire to be with me, his desire to chase after what I have for him. And so he went and he sent Samuel. He said, go to Bethlehem. Go speak to Jesse. And Samuel went and he spoke to Jesse and he said, hey, um, the Lord wanted me to come here and anoint one of your sons to be king. And of course, Samuel, everybody has a favorite kid. <laughs> he, said, he said, okay, Samuel, you stay right here. Jesse was like, I'm going to go get my son. And he went and he grabbed his oldest, the strongest, the smartest, the best. He was like, here's my son. What do you think of him? Some of you are like, yeah, we do got that favorite kid. <laughs> they picked the good one, right? Not the one with the bad grades, not the one that gets into trouble. They picked the good kid. He said, hey, look, here's my best son. What do you think about him? And Samuel said, no, the Lord's not speaking. Sorry, it's not him. He brought him another son, and he brought him another son. He brought him seven of his sons, and none of them were the one that the Lord chose. And so he said, okay, Jesse, do you have any more kids? You showed me all your sons. Do you have any more? And Jesse said, well, yeah. You know, we got this little teenager out there taking care of the sheep. I said, but, you know, he's the youngest. He's the smallest. He's just a, you know, he's a shepherd right now. He's doing the stinky jobs. He said, bring him over here. And he brought David before him. And the Holy Spirit spoke to Samuel. He said, that's him. That is the man after my heart. Anoint him. And from that moment, David was anointed. He was anointed and the presence of God was with him. And he knew it. He knew the presence of God was with him. And during that time, David began to develop a radical reliance on God. He had a radical reliance on the Lord because there was nothing in between him and God. He was a man after God's heart. He felt like he could do anything. He knew it. And time went on and King Saul continued to be tormented and he called for somebody to come and play music in his courtroom so that his, his pain could be seized in his mind. And 
they called for David to come and play his lyre in the, in the courtroom and in, in the king's court. And it says in the Bible that when David began to play his music, the tormenting spirit was put at rest. And worshipers, that's a word for you. That's a word for you, worshipers. Because when you begin to play your music, when you begin to sing those words, the spirits that torment people walking in this room have to go. When they step into this presence of the worship like we received tonight, they can throw their hands in the air and say, Lord, I'm here for you. I just want you. Those spirits have to be put at peace. So don't take it lightly when you get into these rooms. People that are worshiping down here, don't take it lightly when you get into these rooms. Like I said at the beginning, worship with all of your heart. Because you don't know what tormenting spirit that you're kicking out through your worship. And so David was in the king's court and he began to play his music for Saul. And time went by and they got into a war with the Philistines. We know the story of David and Goliath, right? There was a huge Philistine, a giant that was a champion for them that nobody would dare try to fight. But we know David had a radical reliance on the Lord. He already knew who he was. You see, when we develop that, when we develop a reliance on God that is radical, that looks at the circumstance and says, I don't care. That looks at the situation and says, I really could care less what he looks like. I don't care if he's two feet tall or 10 feet tall. I know God is with me, so it doesn't matter if I have to step on him or punch him in the stomach because that's where my eye level is. I'm going to do what I have to do because I know God is with me. And we see David have that radical reliance on God. And we see King Saul say, no, you can't fight him. And David said, no, listen, I'm anointed. He said, the same way I killed a lion when I was tending those sheep, the same way I killed a bear when I was tending these sheep, this uncircumcised Philistine means nothing to me. He said, I know who I am in church when we develop the integrity of who we are in Christ, which only comes from reading his word and spending time in his presence. When we develop that, when we know who we are, it doesn't matter what the circumstance is. And once you see him move in your life, once you see him go over circumstances where you have to deal with stuff over and over and over again, and he never leaves you or forsakes you, he brings you peace, he brings you joy, he brings you restoration, he heals, he knits your family that's been broken back together. When you see those things happen, you develop the integrity of who you are in him. You're rooted in him. Your convictions are greater than the opinions of this world, and you are ready to take on whatever comes your way. And when the enemy tries to sneak in and say, oh, no, 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 you can't fight that thing. You say, no, I know what I've done. I know that lion that I faced. I know that cancer that I beat. I know that depression that I got over. I know the anxiety and insecurity that no longer hinder me from entering into God's presence. I know the Lord is with me, so I don't have to worry because the integrity of who I am and who I've been called to be is so established in my heart and in my life that I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about it. And so we see David go forward, kill Goliath with a rock, cut his head off. He becomes famous. Everybody loves him. Even King Saul loved him for a while. Said he was cheering him on. Yeah, let's go, David. All of a sudden, David started to go out to war and win. Because the Lord was with him. He would go out to battle and he would send the Philistines running. He would send opposing nations running. 
And Saul was all for it for a little while until they started singing songs. And they said, they sang a song that went like, Saul killed a thousand, but David killed tens of thousands. And all of a sudden, Saul wasn't so fond of David anymore. He wasn't such a big fan anymore. And that spirit that tormented Saul, it made him angry. He said that one day when David was in the, in the courtroom playing his music, Saul picked up a spear and threw it at him. David dodged it. So he picked up another one, threw another one at him. David dodged it again. And I don't know about y'all, but if my employer was throwing spears at me, <laughs> after the first one, I probably would have seeked some other type of employment, right? I would, I would have at least gone down the street and applied to a couple of other places if they were throwing spears at me at work. But David didn't care. He said, okay, I'm okay. I know who I am. He went back to work. Finally, a third time it happened again with David and his and Saul's son, Jonathan. He threw another spear at him, and Jonathan said, hey, look, man, my dad's trying to kill you. I don't know if the three spears put you onto it or tipped you off a little bit, but if you didn't know, he's trying to go after you. <laughs> and he said, look, I know, that, I know that you're awesome. I know God's with you, but you just need to probably get up through. And so Saul sent men to kill David in his home. And it says that David fled. And the book of 1 Samuel goes through David going from city to city in disguise, hiding who he was, gathering his men, gathering his tribe, getting ready to be able to move and fight and do whatever he needed to do because he was a warlord at the time. He was smart. He knew what he was doing. He was with God, in step with him perfectly. And it says that as David ran, Saul began to chase him. And I love the fact that 1 Samuel can give you like this backdrop of what's happening, right? 1 Samuel can tell you the details of what's going on. But if you really want to get the commentary of what David was going through, we have it built into the Bible in Psalm. And it's such a beautiful, beautiful commentary where we can look and we can say, wow, this is what David was going through. This is what he was dealing with. And I want to just read a Psalm 7 because as we think about Saul chasing David, he took an army of 3,000 men to chase David and his 400 guys. And every, every single stop, the Lord would tell David, hey, it's time for you to move. Saul would come with 3,000 men. The Lord would say, David, hey, it's time for you to move. And Saul would show up and look silly. But I want us to give us this commentary of what David was thinking and what he was saying because it really points to the idea of integrity. And he shows us over and over in 1 Samuel that he was established in who he was in the Lord and he wasn't going to waver. In Psalm 7, it says, Lord, my God, I take refuge in you. Save and deliver me from all who pursue me or they will tear me apart like a lion and rip me to pieces with no one to rescue me. Lord, my God, if I have done this and there is guilt on my hands, if I have repaid my ally with evil or without cause have robbed my foe, then let my enemy pursue and overtake me. Let him trample my life to the ground and make me sleep in the dust. So in this, we get to see David's mindset. He says, hey, God, could you please protect me? 
And look at my life right now. If I am owed this, if, if I've done something wrong, if there's dirt on my hands, if there's something that I've done that's evil, then by all means, let this happen to me. If I'm, you know, deserving of punishment, if I'm deserving of being attacked and killed, if that is what you have for me, God, if I've made you mad, if I've disrespected you, whatever it is, if that is what I've done, Lord, allow me to repent and have your way, Lord, because I'm a man after your heart. David showed integrity, even in the midst of getting chased, even in the midst of knowing that he did nothing wrong. He said, Lord, if I'm deserving of this, I'll take the punishment. We read on in verse six, he says, but if I'm not arise, Lord, in your anger, Rise up against the rage of my enemies. Awake, my God. Decree justice. Let the assembled peoples gather around you while you sit enthroned over them on high. Let the Lord judge the peoples. Vindicate me, Lord, according to my righteousness, according to my integrity, O Most High. He said, vindicate me, God. Search me and you say what is good and what is bad. According to what I've done, God, according to my integrity, judge me. According to who I've been and what I've stood on, you can judge me, Lord. And church, when we think about this posture of heart, when we think about this idea of saying, God, we will stand tall in front of you and say, test it, God. Test my life. Search me. If there's not something of you here, take it away. When we think about that posture of integrity, as we go further into this story, we see that David's heart was just. He was stable. He said, God, whatever it is that you see, you be the judge. You do as you see fit, and I'll accept it. Vindicate me according to my integrity, God. And so we move forward, and we see these three situations that happen while Saul is, is chasing David through the desert. The first one, Saul grabs all of his 3,000 guys, and on the way to chase David, he stops at a cave, use the restroom, relieve himself. And what he didn't know was that while his army was outside, David and his 400 men were inside that cave while he was going in there. And in that moment, everybody around David said, look, it's time. The Lord has delivered your enemy into your hand. The Lord has shown you that this is the time for you to get your get back. This is the time for you to get your revenge. He set this up for you to be able to take it into your own hands and kill him. And it says that David approached with the sword to kill him, but the spirit of the Lord hit him and it said, no. The spirit of the Lord hit him and said, don't do it. Don't raise your hand against him. And even though the people that were with him, even though his, his soldiers, his boys were sitting there telling him, go take it into your own hands. Go kill Saul. David had integrity. He had integrity and he yielded to the Lord. He had a radical reliance on God. So that even though it was a situation, even though the world presented a situation where he could take it into his own hands and get revenge on this dude that's been throwing spears at him, trying to kill him, trying to chase him around the desert with 3,000 men, even though it looked like this was his time, he yielded unto the Lord. He yielded unto the Lord. And it says that David went up and he cut a piece of Saul's robe without him knowing, and he took it back with him. After Saul was done... He walked out of the cave, 
David walked out after him and he yelled out. He said, see, my father, look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe, but did not kill you. See that there is nothing in my hand to indicate that I'm guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me, but my hand will not touch you. As the old saying goes, from evildoers come evil deeds, so my hand will not touch you. So I'm not going to be a part of it. He said, you deserve it but I'm not going to do it. He said, the Lord is the judge. He'll be the one to take care of it. He let Saul go. Later on in 1 Samuel, we see David and his men out in the wilderness, and they look after a rich man's flock and his shepherds, protect them from harm, protect them from danger. His name was Nabal, and his wife was Abigail. And we see David and his men circle around this man's possession, circle around his home, circle around his land, and keep him safe. And when it was time for Nabal to have a harvest festival, when it was time for him to shear the sheep and, you know, have a festival and a party in his home, David sent word to him. He said, hey, you know, I've been looking after your land. I've been taking care of your shepherds. Do you think that maybe you could, you know, spare some food for me and my soldiers? Could you spare a little bit of food for me and my men? We've been out in this desert. We're on the run. Could you take care of us? And it says that Nabal sat back and said, who? Who is David? What did he do? Acted like he didn't know him. Acted like he didn't know him. And we get to see such an amazing contrast of integrity. Because Nabal, who received something, didn't reciprocate it. He didn't honor it. He didn't respect it. And David got mad. David was like, okay, I was protecting you, but now I'm going to have to come and kill you. <laughs> so, okay, I was, I was letting you get by. I was going to take whatever scraps you were going to give us and keep it moving, but now I'm going to have to come back in re- with revenge. And it says that Nabal's wife, Abigail, Regardless of the situation of her husband being a fool, regardless of the situation where if she did this, she could be punished and get in trouble. It says that she gathered a ton of food, 200 loaves, meat, wine, everything that she possibly could. She packed it up on donkeys and she let it out to David. In this contrast of integrity where we see this foolish man, Nabal, and his wife, Abigail, that said, I don't care what the situation is. I'm going to give what's owed. I'm going to give what's right. It's a heart posture that we have to follow. It's a heart posture that we have to look at and say, listen, I know I'm tired. I know this last couple weeks has been a lot. I know I didn't dealt with family stuff. I know I don't got any money from Christmas. I know there's things going on in my life, but I'm going to give the Lord what he's owed. I'm going to step in here with integrity and say, even though I'm not feeling it, even though I may not want to go, I'm going to go to church on a Wednesday night. Even though my kid may be complaining, they're going to DSM on Thursday night. Even though I don't feel like it. Even though the people around me are not influencing me to feel like it. Her husband was a fool. She went to David with all of the the food and said, listen, my husband's a fool. His name means fool. She said it. 
She said, please take this food and spare our lives. Spare our lives. And we move forward in 1 Samuel 25, verse 38. We get to see the Lord take care of it. We get to see the Lord take care of it. And we get to see what happens when we allow him to judge. Because if David wouldn't have been stopped by Abigail, he would have went and killed that man. Killed his whole family, stole everything. But when we take a step back and let the Lord take care of it, when we maintain our integrity, we get to see in Samuel 25, 1 Samuel 25, verse 38, it says, About ten days later, the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Praise be to the Lord, who has upheld my cause against Nabal for treating me with contempt. He has kept his servant from doing wrong and has brought Nabal's wrongdoing down on his own head. When we trust in the Lord, when we don't take it into our own hands, when we maintain the integrity of who he's called us to be, we can rest assured that the people that go against us should be much more worried than us who know the Lord. Because he will take care of it. But if we'll, if we'll allow him to handle it, if we'll allow him and keep our dirty hands off of it, if we allow him to work it and do the things that he wants to do, he'll keep us, he'll spare us, and he'll take care of the problem. He'll keep our integrity intact, and he'll take care of the problem. Ten days later, Nabal died. Abigail became David's wife. She was spared. Her bloodline was spared. The last thing that we see between David and Saul is Saul's chasing after David again because he's just a nutso. It's crazy. He's just a crazy guy. <laughs> he keeps seeing over and over again. God keeps sparing him, but Saul just won't give up. But he chases David, and, and David, as always, hears from the Lord and has a step ahead of him. And he goes to Saul's camp where him and his men are sleeping. And he goes over, and the man that was with David said, okay, it's your time. Finally, go kill him. He's been chasing you. He brought another 3,000 men. Kill Saul. This is your time. And the man that was with David, his name was Abishai, and, and he picked up a spear. But David said, don't destroy him. Who can lay a hand on the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? As surely as the Lord lives, he said, the Lord himself will strike him or his time will come and he will die or he will go into battle and perish. But the Lord forbid that I should lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. Now get the spear and the water jug that are near his head and let's go. David got far, farther away from the camp. He yelled back out to Saul again, mocked him. He said, look, you're still chasing me. I could have killed you again, but I didn't. I could have killed you again, but I have a radical reliance on God that I'm not afraid of you or your 3,000 men. I killed, the, I killed the giant. I killed the lion. I killed the bear. I'm not scared of you. I'm going to maintain my integrity. And he said it right there, and David predicted the exact way that Saul would die. Because soon after that, he went into battle. King Saul went into battle, and he watched his son Jonathan be murdered. He watched his land crumble around him. He told his servant, he said, hey, kill me, man, because they're going to torture me if they capture me. But the servant said, uh, absolutely not. So it says that King Saul fell on his own sword, killed himself. 
took care of it. And when we see these examples, when we see that when we are more worried about maintaining our integrity in Christ, we know that God will answer our call. We know that God will answer our call and we know that he will give us peace. But not only will he give us peace, but he will make the enemies that are trying to come against you fall on their own swords. They're the ones that have to worry. They're the ones that have to be afraid. You don't have to be the one sitting here and worrying about, man, I got to get back at somebody. I got to get revenge. I have to protect myself. I have to put walls up. People did me dirty. People are using me. People are treating me wrong. You don't have to worry about those things. You don't have to worry about judging those things and getting what's yours. What you have to worry about is saying, I'm going to maintain my integrity through it all. I'm going to maintain my integrity. I'm going to maintain my relationship with the Lord. I'm going to read my word. I'm not going to miss church. I'm going to give. I'm going to serve. I'm going to make sure that me and God are perfect in sync with one another. So that when he looks down, he can judge me based on my integrity. And when he looks down, he can say, oh, he's the one on my side. And woe to the person that's attacking him. Because you're going to fall on your own spear. But we understand that if we maintain the integrity of God who has called us to be and uphold his word, then we don't have to fight. We don't have to fight. If we can maintain that integrity, if we can uphold those values of who he's called us to be, let him fight for us. When we do that, we can stand before him clean with our spirit man intact, right? In Psalm 26, we get to hear David's voice. He says, vindicate me, Lord. Vindicate me, Lord, for I have led a blameless life. I have trusted in the Lord and have not faltered. Test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind, for I have always been mindful of your unfailing love and have lived in reliance on your faithfulness. I do not sit with the deceitful, nor do I associate with hypocrites. I abhor the assembly of evildoers and refuse to sit with the wicked. I wash my hands in innocence and go about your altar, Lord. Proclaiming aloud your praise and telling of all your wonderful deeds. Lord, I love the house where you live and the place where your glory dwells. Do not take away my soul along with sinners, my life with those who are bloodthirsty and whose hands are wicked schemes, whose right hands are full of bribes. I lead a blameless life. Deliver me and be merciful to me. My feet stand on level ground in the great congregation I will praise the Lord. When we live a life full of integrity, we wash our hands in innocence. We don't have to worry about the Lord looking down and having to question whether or not we're with him. We don't have to worry about it. We don't have to worry about, man, is God going to see me worthy? Is God going to see me righteous in his eyes? When you live a life full of integrity, even when you make mistakes, you come to his altar and you repent. Even when you're going through it, you don't let it stop you. Even though the world around you is telling you that it's okay to change your rule book, to take your foot off of the gas, to go along with what culture is telling you, even when that happens, when you maintain your integrity, you're able to wash your hands in innocence. And you can come before the Lord and say, Lord, 
look at me. It's like when you know you got the answers and you know you studied for your test and you go to take it. It's a feeling that I never had in school because I wasn't good. But I can imagine Precious going to get ready to take a test because she was smart. I know she wasn't stressed out about that test. (laughs) It's the same way with God. We get to go before him when we have integrity, when we maintain the integrity of his word in our life. We get to stand before him and say, give me the test. Let's go. You get excited for it because you know that he is going to see you righteous. So I just want to challenge you with that tonight. I want to challenge you with that to understand that when we are being attacked, when we're going through life, when people are doing you dirty, treating you wrong, don't get to fighting with them. Your battle is not with flesh and blood. That's not your fight. In those times, fight to maintain integrity. Fight to maintain your connection with him. Be a person after his heart so that you can hear his voice on what to do. Those people that are treating you wrong, those people that are using you, that got everything they could from you and threw you away, they're going to have to answer to him, not you. You worry about you and making sure you're maintaining that relationship with him. Amen? I love how King Saul's attacks just over and over again made him look silly. And tonight, as we get ready to close, I just want to remind you, as we go into this new year, that the devil may try it. He's going to try it. You may go through it. You may deal with some stuff. But understanding who you are, maintaining that integrity, standing strong in the midst of the situations where it looks really good to take something into your own hands and saying, Lord, only you, less of me, more of you, none of me, all of you, take everything, God. I want to be wise before you. First Corinthians 3.18. If you're wise by the standards of this world, become foolish so that you can become wise. So wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's eyes. Become fools by the standards of this world. Become wise by the standards of heaven. Maintain the integrity of who you've been called to be, church. So tonight, as I close, I want to just invite everybody to stand. And I want to make this our prayer tonight. It's Psalm 27. I'm going to read the whole thing. But I just want to make this our prayer tonight. As we go into 2024, as we set this bar for Wednesday night, I want to make this our prayer I just want everybody to close your eyes right now. With our eyes closed, with our heads bowed. I just want you to hear this, these words in Psalms 27. In Psalm 27. And as you hear them, and as you agree with them, I just want you to lift your hands. As you hear these words and as they resonate in your heart, When you hear them, I want you to just lift your hands and say, God, that's my heart. Have a conversation with Jesus tonight and say, this is my heart. This is my desire. This is what I want. So in Psalm 27, 
It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. Though my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path. Because of my oppressors, do not turn me over to the desires of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. Church, if you are confident, I want you to raise your hands in this room right now. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Jesus, we wait on you tonight. We wait on you tonight. Lord, we ask that you would give us a renewed strength to maintain the integrity of who we are in you. May we be found in you. May you vindicate us based on our integrity, God. Lord, give us the strength to stay confident in this, that we will see your goodness, that we will see heaven on earth, God. Lord, I pray over this room that there will be a fresh anointing to bring heaven to earth each and every day. There will be a fresh anointing to bring light into dark places each and every day. That the bar will be set that when people walk into this sanctuary on Wednesday nights, that they will be struck by light. There will be a light that will permeate through them that darkness will have to flee, God. Holy Spirit, I ask that you will dwell in each and every one of us. I ask that you will dwell in each and every one of us and when we start to waver and we start to deal with circumstances, I ask that the spirit of wisdom and revelation invade our hearts, God. That the spirit of wisdom will remind us of each and every step of the way that you were there and you had your hand on our shoulder. And that the spirit of revelation will move and reveal to us the plans on which you have for us. 
Lord, we get off of your throne. We get off of your throne and we say, be the Lord of our lives. We are poor in spirit. We are humble. We come before you humbly. And we say, be the Lord of our lives each and every day. God, I ask for a hunger and a thirst after your heart. I ask that we would be a people after your heart and that we would hunger and thirst after your word. I thank you, Jesus, for your presence. And I praise your holy name. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Maintain your integrity. In 2024, I feel like that's the word, integrity. Stay strong in him. Only way you can is reading this word. Stay rooted in him. He's called you to be so much. Don't live beneath it. Live right, love everybody, and pray hard. We'll see you on Sunday. Thank you.